Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Out of the gates and ready to go. Outkick 360 is underway. Tuesday edition is here. Chat's ready to go. I'm ready. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. It's going to be a great Valentine's Day show. I brought my chocolates for for Chad earlier. He devoured them. I got home yesterday and was greeted uh, with treats and Valentine's made by the children and all these other things. And that's when I thought to myself, well... Guess I should get a Valentine's Day gift for people in my house uh, tomorrow. So I'm, I'm taking care of that, you know, slowly but surely, right. making that happen. Got to be totally honest. Didn't give it one thought uh, yesterday when I got home. I, I was surprised why I was being inundated with gifts that were made at my children's school. And then I thought, oh, tomorrow's Valentine's Day. That's why. Yeah, it's like, oh, I just arrived home from Super Bowl week. These, these gifts are perfect. Yeah, and it's- thank you. I was dying for sweets <laughs> all week when we were on Radio Row, and there wasn't food to be found within five miles. So thank you so much. They knew exactly what I wanted. So thoughtful. Yeah. Well, uh, we have a, a discussion on Valentine's Day coming up uh, a bit later in today's show. Maybe it's with John McClain. Who knows? John joins us uh, in about an hour and a half. Uh, from gallerysports.com, a lot to discuss across the National Football League. Super Bowl 57, coaching hires have been made, and a lot of discussion on quarterbacks. That's coming up with McLean. That's in hour number two. Cynthia Freeland, NFL Network, analytics expert. Love having Cynthia on. She joins us. She's got her mock draft ready to go based on the numbers and needs of all the teams drafting in the 31 picks. Remember, not 32, 31 in the first round this year due to the Dolphins forfeiting theirs. And South Carolina football coach Shane Beamer has been on a tear. And he joins us to discuss everything that the Gamecocks have done to finish their season all the way through what was a successful recruiting class and more. That's in our number three as well. Chad, hope all is well, man. Yeah, it's good. Um, Shane Beamer has been on a tear. It's been a a crazy offseason, though. He loses some of his best players in the transfer portal, brings in a couple nice transfers, uh, but then the momentum, especially late, uh, with one of his big commitments in recruiting late in the game, we'll talk about all of it, but talking about late, how about his late season from uh, mid to late November yeah. on with the win over uh, Tennessee and then the win over Clemson to close out the season. Going to be a fun conversation. Always a fun and very genuine conversation with Shane Beamer. So looking forward to that a little bit later. And we'll, Cynthia Freeland's one of our yeah, favorites. Yeah, no doubt. Always uh, does a good job. We'll get to the coaching hires in just a moment. Chad, something has you uh, ready to go hot out of the gates. Yeah. P- pissed so off for greatness. I, I do not understand how Ben Simmons still collects a check to play professional basketball. Uh, it is mind-blowing to me. Outkick right now has a story on this. Mark Harris has the story up, and it's uh, got video of a couple of uh, what is is termed highlights, but really – They're lowlights from last night's game against the Knicks for the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons at one point just passes up a wide-open layup and instead uh, passes it to Nicholas Claxton, who uh, does not score on the play because he's covered, unlike Ben Simmons, on the play. Another time he's got about a wide-open, I don't know, three- or four-footer that barely grazes the rim. Uh, It looks like someone who just caught a pass in a 40-and-up men's league game. 
and hasn't touched a basketball in two years, and it's their attempt at a layup. That's what he looked like on the play. Uh, I understand that people get the yips at times and that this can happen to the best of them. Ben Simmons is not one of the best of them, but Ben Simmons is getting paid like one of the best of them. He's making $35 million this season alone. He is slated in two seasons to make upwards of $44 million a year. Jacques Vaughn says post-game, well, we got to find the right guys to play around Ben. That's going to help him out. No, you don't. You don't need to play him at all. This is not about finding the right guys around Ben. It's finding Ben in the right spot, which is on the bench. Better yet, in unemployment. How is he making this much money? I know the contracts are guaranteed, and you're going to take a big hit. This dude is cooked. His career is done. He is mentally fried. He's not coming back from this. He is grossly overpaid. I can't watch him another second. Well, they inherited his contract right from the trade, or did they give him an extension on that? I don't even care. Philly? The fact that he's Imagine, making that money to be on a team and see playing time. He had two points uh, last night in 13 minutes in the game. He's not playing a lot, He was a but that's finalist. 13 minutes too much. He was a finalist for the Chutton's Quiet Quitter Award in 2022. What a weird, weird story. Like the, uh, it's, it's unbelievable to think and that he's making Nets, that much money. The Nets had Simmons and Kyrie on the same roster. Think about managing that. Plus Durant, who's already demanded one trade, well, now he's traded to Arizona. Kyrie's, you know, scoring like 28 a game or something ridiculous. At least he can still play. Yeah. Ben Simmons is a head case, and he sucks. There's no value there. I mean, what is Ben Simmons' value to a team at this point? He makes a lot of money? Great. That's a deterrent for anyone that wants to employ him. I, I don't, I don't just, get it. And I, I'm watching those, uh, those highlights and air quotes yeah. today and thinking, this guy's just mentally fried. He doesn't know how to play anymore. Thanks to Mark Harris for actually watching the NBA on our behalf Yeah, last night. That, that, that deserves a round of applause. Absolutely. Thank you, Mark. For, uh, for watching. Not watching. I need to go check. Um, I did place a bet last night at halftime. Yeah. Of a game. Did not watch a second of the game. It, oh, you don't even know if you won. I don't even know. i got to go check my uh, my account to see if I won. The Lakers were down 19 at halftime. And they were like plus 3,400 to win the game. And my only thing, what they were in Portland, I'm thinking, well, there's a lot of time left. <laughs> Maybe yeah. if I place $5 down, I'll win a ton because there's a lot of time left. I'm going to go see right now if the Lakers won. I'm guessing they didn't. LeBron James was partying at the Super Bowl the night before. So that's probably not a good omen for them winning the game. Chad, the quarterback carousel begins today. Right now. And that's because Derek Carr is going to be released by the Las Vegas Raiders. He's going to be the most sought-after free agent um, on the market. He's immediately a free agent upon release. He does not have to clear waivers, for instance. And the reason why it's happening today, if he's on the roster with the Raiders tomorrow, he's going to be locked in February 15th to a $40 million guarantee over the next two years. And that's actually by 4 p.m. Eastern today that the Raiders have to make either a trade or release him if they don't want him a part of the roster moving forward. We know they don't. They told us that by not playing him over the final two weeks of the season. He has a no-trade clause, and he's blocked the ability for the Raiders to trade him. He's already met with the Saints, who remain interested. So even if the Saints don't trade for him, that still could be a landing spot. But then he's free to start making other visits that he didn't have access to with the Raiders, where he would have had to receive permission through the Raiders for his agent to start negotiations. Now he gets to do that across the league. There will be some surprise teams involved here. But the teams from NFL Network and Ian Rappaport that have already reported 
uh, through NFL Network to be interested. We know the Saints, the Buccaneers, the Panthers, and the Tennessee Titans are also on this list from uh, Ian Rappaport at NFL Network. There will be others because the carousel begins once he decides where he's going. Because my guess is, Chad, the teams that are interested in Carr would also be interested in picking up the phone and discussing something about Aaron Rodgers if, in fact, he chooses to want to be traded after this darkness retreat is complete. We know the Jets called the Packers. Who else? Every other team's not just going to sit back and allow the Jets to get off scot-free on a, on a deal with the Green Bay Packers, especially in the AFC. My guess is others have called as well to do their due diligence, and now we get to see the teams that want to go veteran and teams that want to go young and go through the draft with the quarterback. How surprising are the Titans as a name on that list that have shown interest a bit in uh, in Derek Carr? I, I I'll be honest, I don't quite understand that interest because uh, I don't see that as a clear upgrade from Ryan Tannehill, if healthy. Um, I, I get it. If you, it, it's just you're either just parting ways to Ryan Tannehill and trying to draft someone, or going even bigger mm-hmm. than Derek Carr. To me, Derek Carr is too close of a uh, just a lateral move for the Titans well, different right styles, now. Different styles, though. Different, I mean, Carr can go, I mean, he can let it fly, let it rip, right? Yeah. Now, he's also thrown a ton of interceptions, and Tannehill doesn't do that. So I, I agree with you on there. I, 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 You know where I stand from the Titans' perspective. I would keep Tannehill and draft a young quarterback. But the Titans are in the top you know, selection group of the NFL draft. If you look at the draft order, it's still the Bears at number one overall, followed by Houston, who is expected to take one of the QBs. And then the discussion starts about the Cardinals going likely defense. And then what do the Colts do if you have movement in the top three where the new GMs want to trade back and gain other picks? New GMs from the last two years. That includes Chicago and now in Arizona. And you have Ballard sitting at number four with Indy, new head coach, and now they're going to have a young quarterback to develop. So if it, if it is, let's just spitball here. If it is Derek Carr to New Orleans, mm-hmm. let's say, I, I still am circling that number nine spot in the draft with the Panthers as maybe the most interesting move that could happen. I, I see the Panthers as the most likely team to disrupt the top of the draft in, a, trade in a big way, to try to trade up and draft their quarterback. We know David Tepper is just on this, you know, this religious quest, Holy Grail style, for their franchise guy mm-hmm. in Carolina. And he took a swing at Deshaun Watson. He's took a swing at Baker Mayfield. He's trying to do something, anything, to find that guy, which is smart. If you don't have that guy, you need him. So I, I could see the Panthers – I don't know if overspend is the word because you're going to spend a lot to move up to draft one of those guys either way. But I see them being one willing to spend a lot the Panthers, to move up to get that guy. The Panthers have wanted in recent years to go the veteran route. You know? Yeah. They, they, they were after Aaron Rodgers to begin with. They were in the, in the market for Deshaun Watson. And they ended up with, they still had Darnold, but they end up signing Darnold in a trade to go get him, too. I, I wonder which way Tepper leans on that. And the Panthers will be involved in Derek Carr as well. They'll have their... That whole division should be in the Derek Carr market. Should, yeah. I, although That's I don't why think, the Titans surprised well, me I don't on that list, because the other ones make a lot of sense. He doesn't fit... He, he, I, I agree with you. He fits the division. I don't think he fits Atlanta with Arthur Smith as much as the direction that I think they'll go. We also haven't seen enough of Desmond Ritter yet. 
You know, Kyle Trask is one thing. Yeah, he's not going to be the starter. I, I can't Tampa. say that yet about Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. I mean, I, I could see them making a move and trying to upgrade, but also I, it's not – I'm not coming from a place of, well, Desmond Ritter's not going to work, so let's go try to find someone else automatically. I could see them doing it, but it's not automatic. Chad, the last MVP of the league to also be the MVP of the Super Bowl, you have to go back a ways. 1999, 2000 uh, was the last time we saw it, and it was, and it was Kurt, it was Kurt, Kurt Warner. Warner. And since then, look at the trend that was bucked in this recent win for Patrick Mahomes. Winning MVP, 48 of a possible 50 votes during the season, and then wins MVP of the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs, who... Of course, defeat the Eagles by three, 38-35. And the names on this list, too. You know, Peyton Manning twice. Sean Alexander, who we talked Brady's to at on the here Super twice. Bowl. Brady's yeah. on there twice. We all know the Matt Ryan, the blown 28-3 lead. Cam Newton. Um, Rich Gannon, probably one of the lost, you know, MVPs that you don't think of immediately. Right, but yeah. Um, yeah, crazy. And it, that game just spoke so many ways about the greatness of, of Patrick Mahomes. From overcoming the injury over the course of the game, that was our big question going into it. Not how he would look in the start, yep. but how he would look the moment that ankle got hit. And it clearly, he was favoring it more after that hit in the second quarter. Battles back from that has uh, one of the all-time great halves of football for a quarterback in, in Super Bowl history. And the Chiefs win their second. Super Bowl viewership was not the most watched all-time. But it is the third most watched TV show of all time. Uh, 113 million viewers on average. Most watched in six years on Fox. And you see the, all the details of it. It's massive. And this is a game that continues to grow, Chad, in every facet. I expect records to be broken as moving forward. It's crazy, some of those Where stats. does it level off? Well, are the other top two, I wonder if the other top two are both Super Bowls or if like the finale of MASH is on that list or something, you know, the final episode of Seinfeld, uh, something like that in the top three, or is it also other Super Bowls that list one, two, or three? I'm willing to bet it's two other Super Bowls that's ahead of Well, number one is the Super Bowl from a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, And it may have been Kansas City's first win. It's not going anywhere. And the halftime show is such a huge draw. When you see how I saw ratings in Canada for the game, and it was, I want to say, 30 million people in Canada or something like that watched the game, and it, it peaked at, you know, 33 million during Rihanna's oh, halftime performance. I thought it would peak during Dave Grohl's appreciation ad. That's funny. That is a good way to bring in the Canadian viewer, though, you know, for Crown Royal. Thank that you, was Canada. smart, smart marketing to bring in Canada. I mean, the NFL thanks you, I should say. Because their ratings in Canada went to an all-time high, but it was it, it peaked during Rihanna in in Canada. I think we all did. I'm sure. I'm sure the same could be said for here in the states. Also, There's Jim Irsay so has say made now. a decision. Uh, we actually have all coaching hires fulfilled across the NFL. Details on the direction that Indy went and why, and much more. That's next. So now, kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Right after the Super Bowl, we've seen the Colts and the Cardinals make some moves, and we've seen movement at coordinator as well. And there's a coordinator staying in college football instead of bolting for what I would assume would be more money. More on that in a moment. Welcome back. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. You can hit us up on social. Uh, just search out the show. We hope you'll subscribe while you're there, and you can join Chad in the chat. He's typing away right now. It's always something going on in the chat. <laughs> it's never a dull moment in this chat. Always. Oh. Challenges coming left and right. Yeah, a lot of ASL, age, sex, location questions. Uh, the internet hates everything. You yeah. know, so it's like, it's very few. <laughs> Man, guys, you're really nailing it today. You know, it's uh, Chad looks stupid in that shirt, or why is Hutton talking about interceptions when Ryan Tannehill led the league in interceptions two years ago? And, you know, there's always stuff like this. Yeah. I just respond to, you know, what I can. That's what you're doing the Lord's work. Yeah. You're on welcome. Valentine's Every, Day. Everyone here, you're all welcome. Shane Steichen show. is officially the new head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, it, he circles back with a, he has a history with Frank Reich. He was on Frank Reich's staff, uh, a, a staff that included Frank Reich when he was with the Chargers. And then was, of course, close with Nick Sirianni, who was the offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. And now they, the Colts and Ursay, they head back to a, a, a pot that they're familiar with. I don't think the Steichen's going to run something that's going to be crazy compared to what we saw from Frank Reich. I do think he's more fiery. And I do think the Colts inside that locker room, inside the organization, need more energy. And here's a young head coach with a chance to come in and pair himself with a young quarterback. And Jim Ursay said as much uh, in the press conference where he's like, we're you know, looking to pair him with a young QB. That doesn't necessarily mean they won't sign a QB as well. But based on where they are in the draft picking fourth overall, it makes sense to pair him with one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL draft in April. Yeah, I mean, I take that as that their first pick will be a quarterback, uh, where, where they're drafting, who, wh whoever the best available is. Um, Shane Steichen looks a lot like Dak Shepard, by the way. That's all I yeah, keep thinking. Yeah, I do see that too. Every, every time I look at him, that's all, that's all I see now. It is a little bit different when you go from hiring and then firing a coordinator with one team, and then the next hire is a coordinator from that team. I get that they're different guys and different coaches, but yeah. you don't often see that drafting the Philadelphia Eagles offensive coordinator in back-to-back -back permanent moves for another team. But that's the direction they're going. I'll, I'll speak for almost all Colts fans, I'm sure, unless you're really closely attached to Jeff Saturday. And I want to congratulate all of you that the pick is not Jeff Saturday because bigger than just the hiring of Jeff Saturday, I think this is evidence that you know maybe Jim Irsay uh, is uh, – a little less wild right now in terms of what, what he's thinking and what he's doing. <laughs> well, wild in his decision-making, not, not going totally willy-nilly on, I know, you don't, I'll show you, I know what's best, and at least making a little bit more standard mm. of a hire with, with Shane Steichen. I don't know that it's going to work out. I don't know enough about Shane Steichen to know. I'm just saying, if he would have stuck to his guns with Jeff Saturday – after the three interviews and hired him again, 
I don't think that would have been a great sign if you're a Colts fan that everything is great up top with your ownership. This move should give you a little bit more faith in that. Well, and look, it, looking at the, the hires across the league, and again, the Cardinals, according to Adam Schefter, finalizing a deal with Jonathan Gannon, the Eagles defensive coordinator. So the Eagles are losing both coordinators here. Uh, Jonathan Gannon to the Cardinals to replace Cliff Kingsbury and the rest of the group. The thing about this group, all of the new head coaches at some point have passed through Philadelphia. They're all former Philadelphia Eagles coaches or assistant coaches in some way. And Steichen now, of course, replaced Frank Reich, who is now in Carolina. They, they all have different questions, though. Reich in Carolina, currently, no quarterback. The Texans hiring D'Amico Ryans. 49ers defense compared to that Texans defense that he's inheriting. Uh, building from the ground up because quarterback also a big question mark. The Broncos with Sean Payton. He's got to fix Russell Wilson. Steichen, no quarterback currently uh, to pair himself with as the new coach in Indy. And with the Cardinals and Jonathan Gannon, he went from a defense in Philly where they allowed just 20 points per game to the Cardinals defense, which is allowing 31, uh, 31st in the league in points per game. Plus, he inherits Kyler Murray's big contract. We spoke with Tony Dungy last week on Radio Row out in Arizona, and we asked about the hiring process. The enemy, of course, not among this group, the offensive coordinator in Kansas City, Steichen, the OC in Philly, and Dungy was alluding to what the Colts might do. Tony Dungy, our guest on Outkick 360. You know Jim Irsay well. Are you surprised by the last 12 months or so with Jim as the owner of the Colts, or is this right on – is this on point with the guy you know? I, I was surprised when he let Frank Wright go. Um, Frank had had some success there. They'd been in the playoffs a couple times. They got off to a little bit of a slow start, but a lot of people were off to slow starts, and uh, I just didn't – I, I didn't see that coming. Once he decided to make the move, uh, the things that have happened since then haven't really been a big surprise to me. He's, he's a believer in Jeff Saturday. He is a relationship-oriented person, Jim Irsay is. So that, that didn't surprise me. I like the way he's taking his time going through this, this process. He thinks outside the box a little bit. He's examined a lot of people. The fact that he hasn't made a decision yet kind of leads me to believe it may be one of these coaches involved in this game that he's got his mm. eye on. And, in fact, that's, that was the case. They were waiting on Shane Steichen. Willing to bet he knew at that point also when, when he dropped that little bit of info. How exhausted. That he knew exactly well, who the coach was he had a be. final Steichen had a final interview last night in Indy. How exhausted do you think he is today? After losing the game, uh, I, I think you're um, you can you can power through right now when you get your first NFL head coaching opportunity. But he's running on fumes. There's there's no doubt about that. Because now he's got to put together the staff. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of that's probably figured out. You know, at least half or more. Some of it of that you've talked to enough people that you know who's coming with you. Because in that final interview, that's that's got to be a big part of the process. Is you saying who you know you can get and who you want to bring on on your staff. I'm sure he's answered those questions already. So the Eagles now replacing both coordinator spots, and uh, the thought is Ben Johnson will be elevated to OC in Philly, and then they'll start looking for their defensive coordinator uh, hire as well with Jonathan Gannon, now the new head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. And if Nick Sirianni is going to be the new Sean McVay and his guys are going to get raided – 
constantly. Yeah. And now he's the young gun coach that's taking his team to a Super Bowl quickly that every NFL owner wants to get their hands on one of his assistants and especially one of his young assistants. This will be a real test for Sirianni. It's something that, for the most part, McVay's been able to replace and plug along with guys up until this past season. Sirianni now will be tested in, in that way to make sure they continue this forward momentum with what they've done in Philly. This also affects the Ravens, who today announced Todd Munkin is their new offensive coordinator. Ben, I, re, I bring that up because Ben Johnson was mentioned there, too. Uh, and with Steichen getting the head coaching job, that now allows Ben Johnson to be elevated with Sirianni instead of taking a job where he could climb the ladder as OC and play caller in Baltimore. Todd Munkin uh, was paid very well, what, around $2 million per season to be yeah. the OC in, at Georgia for the Bulldogs? He's now the OC for Lamar Jackson, who had a big hand in this. Lamar Jackson was involved in this hire, and they're not shy with admitting that. Lamar Jackson wanted to work with Todd Munkin. And the quote from John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, 21 interviews and 14 candidates. That's about as thorough as you can get yeah. for, for a play-calling opening. And they end up going with Todd Munkin, who also had talked with Tampa Bay this offseason about the job. Yeah, it's um, it, it all goes back. So, a couple things Todd Munkin said. Uh, one, he was asked in the build-up to the playoff about you know the family and football being a family, and he had the line about it's not a family. You know, if I'm not any good, Kirby Smart's going to fire me or get rid of me, and if I get a better opportunity, I'm going to leave. It's a job. We do the best we can, but eventually people move on in this business. That struck me as a guy who's about to leave. The other one is when Mike Bobo was brought on, on that staff, he had kind of a tongue-in-cheek, sarcastic, but not really line when asked about him that said, it didn't really matter what I thought of Mike Bobo. The, 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 Kirby Smart was going to do what he's going to do and tell me, now sell this higher, like it's your, your decision, and you want him on that staff. Now, he went on to compliment Bobo and how he got along with everyone on that staff and did a really good job for Georgia this past year. So again, let's let's put two and two together here mm-hmm. and see that minutes after the official announcement is made, Mike Bobo is elevated as offensive coordinator. This doesn't feel like a mistake. It, I don't I don't know why Kirby Smart would run him off. I don't know that that's the case. I think Munkin probably wanted to look around wanted to get back to, to the, the NFL, league. and I think Kirby Smart's like great leave. We've got someone we Someone's think can do the here. same job. And has done the here. same job. Yeah, and, and there's a former Georgia quarterback. You know, I'm a former Georgia player also, and we'll be just fine if you decide to leave. And there were some up-and-down moments when Bobo was there with uh, Georgia, but, I mean, he also had some great highlights with Aaron Murray, what, Todd Gurley. I'm trying to think of everyone through that era. Um, 2014 was the highest-scoring team up until this year in Georgia football history. And they, they averaged, I think, 40 points per game in 2014 with and now, those players. And now he inherits an offense with more talent than he's ever witnessed there. And he's got the best defense behind him, getting the ball back for him that he didn't have then. Yeah, I think the knock on Bobo is he has not been great since leaving Georgia. Wasn't great from 2015 to 2019 at Colorado State as the head coach. But now his offenses weren't a big problem there. It was more of a defensive issue when he was at Colorado State, was not very good at South Carolina in his return to the SEC, was not good in one year at Auburn. Now, they were a mess under Brian Harson that year. So, you know, not all his fault in that. 
But I, the statement, Hutton, I think, is just very simple. This guy can coach when he's got really good players. Yeah. So it's he's, hard, he's it's hard be to fail. Fine. It, it's yeah. hard to fail at the top level if you're at Alabama or Georgia. He's competent, and he's going to come in and know what to do and how to get our best players the ball and know the pressure points of the defense, and he's going to do a good job. Todd Munkin did a great job. Did a great job implementing an offense the week of the game. Was a great play caller, and this is Kirby Smart saying we think that Mike Bobo can do a very similar job to him. Why do you think Andy Ludwig didn't think he could do the job at at Notre Dame? Was it just the buyout, or was it more? Who's so, now at Utah. He's staying at Utah. I don't know There's, that it's Andy Ludwig's thing as much as it's Notre Dame not paying $2.8 million in the buyout or not yeah, wanting to. So it's just the fact that they didn't want to – but they are allowing that to get out? I, it's It makes Notre Dame look cheap as all get out. I mean, that's – I don't – I, I mean to make light of this. That's closing cost on a real estate deal for an SEC hire. That's nothing. Yeah. That's just the change at the end of the, the deal. If you want to bring in a, a top coordinator to your school, a $2.8 million buyout is not much I mean, based on They're reports. paying TSU a million and a half just to play them in September. Yeah, I, it's, it's very strange. Um, I, I, I don't get it. It, it, does not make, it does not make them look good. Uh, Colin, our resident, uh, our producer and resident Notre Dame expert, says he thinks that Utah leaked it. I, I would agree. I don't think Notre Dame wants that out, right? It's probably coming from the Utah side as to why the deal didn't get done. But if that's not true, then I'm, I'm getting out in front of that if I'm Notre Dame. Now, you also you, you don't want to go to great lengths to say, hey, guys, we're Notre Dame. We'll spend whatever it takes. You don't want to just put that out there to everyone's agent and every coach that's going to try to fleece you for the, as much money as possible when you just announce to the world that you know we, we have a ton of money well, and we're, we can do business. But that seems like small potatoes for today's college football if you really wanted a coordinator from an, that had a good job already the way Ludwig has a good job at Utah. Well, let's also – can I interpret it this way? Marcus Freeman, I mean, if you're him today – and they're not paying a $2 million buyout for an OC that the program wants. What message does that send to the head coach on his job security moving through September next year? Or this year? I, I think me. I think the, the Tommy Reese move says less about Marcus Freeman than anything. I'm saying Ludwig. The fact that they wouldn't buy Well, let's start with Tommy Reese, though. Again, I, I keep going back to I get it's no, it's it's Alabama. But, I mean, that guy stayed with you. Because he believed in you. That entire program was fired up. We all saw the video when they announced Marcus Freeman as the head coach. Looked great. The team, the program, everyone bought into him after a short amount of time there. He doesn't follow proven winner Brian Kelly, his college coach and boss to LSU, of all places, who won a national title with Ed Orgeron and Les Miles, who will win a national title with Brian Kelly more than likely. Doesn't go then stays for a year at Notre Dame, and then a year later leaves his alma mater to go to Alabama. Something doesn't add up there. And I get that it's Alabama, but why not? Unless you just hate Brian Kelly personally, but you still played for the guy and worked for the guy for years, so I don't really buy that. Why you decided to stay with Marcus Did something happen this year that changed your faith in Marcus Freeman and the program? Did, is something happening with Notre Dame football? In the university, well, that would change your faith in Notre goes, Dame football. It goes back to Mike Bobo is going to look really good at Georgia. But, this this guy had the sixth yeah, scoring offense at Notre Dame. That is the so that's step one in in the two step process that has me asking questions about Notre Dame football. 
Step one is Tommy Reese leaving after a year is a little bit alarming. Now step two is you couldn't pay the two million and change to well, bring in to bring but in I'm the saying guy. You wouldn't pay the two million and change if you think you're going to fire this guy midseason, Freeman. Yeah, but that's uh, what I'm saying. Why would you but, spend? Uh, well, well, whatever the reason is, I'm saying either you're cheap. And you don't have as much money as you I, think. Or, I, don't think th- I don't think they're cheap. Or you don't believe in your head coach. But that's an issue. I mean, they weren't cheap whenever they retained Brian Kelly year after year. I'm saying that's – but either way, that's an issue. I don't know what the reason is. If you don't believe in your head coach, that's not good after one year. If you don't have the money or aren't willing to spend it to get the offensive coordinator, that too is not good. Both scenarios suck if how, you're a Notre Dame fan. How is I think Colin been? probably agrees. How is recruiting? Neither been, one's though? great, right? They're, they're getting, I mean, they're getting transfers. That's the other thing. Like there is optimism despite all of this craziness with the coaching staff. I think they're doing fine, and the fact they got Sam Hartman is a good sign. Yeah, because there's going to be more more than one suitor for him. Now he saw a great opportunity there as well to go and start right away. But I'm sure he could have gone and started a number of places. Well, and and been really good. And he was going to be working with Tommy Reese. Yeah. I think that's the other uh, that's, factor. That's the whole thing. is It doesn't – to me, it doesn't line up with what we've seen. There's something unseen happening. Because Marcus Freeman was not – it was a bad start this year. But it's not been all bad. Recruiting's been good. They've got Sam Hartman come in. But now there's two things that have happened. Your 29, 30-year-old former quarterback offensive coordinator left – after turning down Brian Kelly the year before to go to Alabama, and now this deal with Andy Ludwig falls apart. Last minute. Not good. And Notre Dame doesn't always open the pocket normally, but man, this is the time to do it if you're looking for a vote of confidence. And think about it from this standpoint. The Freeman has said publicly he wants a proven play caller with, uh, with a lot of experience calling an offense. You can't do that paying eight hundred grand. In college football. You can't find that guy. That guy's getting a million and a half plus. Unless you want to go to the um, like FCS ranks. But that, well, yeah. Go find North Dakota but State's what? offensive coordinator, I'm saying, or someone that's had a ton of success uh, at, at a, at a FCS-level school uh, with offense and say, well, we're bringing in this guy because he's a mastermind. You know, you go find the Lance Leipold of FCS offense and bring them in. Then you can do it for 800K. Yeah. You're not getting a proven major conference, SEC, Big 12, ACC, Big 10 level coordinator well, he also, without spending a lot of money. Yeah, but he also he's also put like he wants to find a pro-style offense. You know, he wants it to just drop in a play caller with a current staff. I don't know why you'd ever just uh, typecast what you want. Yeah, I, mean, or, I would, just, I would allow... be so vague if I, if, especially if I'm Freeman and I'm a defensive guy as the head coach. Just keep it as vague as possible on offense. You know what we want to do? We want to score a lot of points. We want to be creative. We want to play physical. Done. I, I don't. I'm not going to say pro style or spread or I, I'm not going to say any of that. Go find someone who can score points. Period. That's it. Like I, I, They've struggled there. Defense is his thing, right, is my point. He's going to be over the defense. He can talk about 3-4, 4 you can be a head whatever. coach of an offense. You can be specific on that. Yeah. But on offense, it just I'm saying just go find someone you think would give your defenses a lot of problem, problems, regardless of the style, and then bring them in. This late in the process, too, could also be a deterrent because of the uh, – if, you, if you're an OC, you want your guys in with you on your staff. And it sounds like they were – 
you know, pigeonholed into you're you're being dropped into a coach that's already on the hot seat, and you're stuck with the staff that's there too. Yeah, I mean, I, they're about to hire you know James Madison's offensive staff. That, that that's that's who you can go get right now for the amount of money. If if that money for Andy Ludwig is too much, if yeah. that's in, if that's true, you're probably and it may work out. But you're going to go hire an FCS program's OC and bring on some of their staff. So to come on today's show, Cynthia Freeland will join us in a little over an hour, NFL Network's analytics expert. Shane Beamer, head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks, with us in hour number three as well. And in about 30 minutes, John McClain on all the NFL headlines. When we come back, there was a wedding at a sports event and details on where and why. So romantic. Yes. That's next now, Kick 360. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Derek Carr officially released by the Las Vegas Raiders all but a formality based on the situation. They clear up like 20-something million on the cap now. So they, they'll have about 50 million as of right now under the cap to work with the Raiders do. Meanwhile, Derek Carr can sign anywhere he wants to. He can talk with any team he wants to immediately. So it begins. Yep. The tour of the NFC South will continue for Derek Carr. Um, and so, and look at it this way. He now gets a full month to look around, and I, as much as it is interviewing him, like bringing him into the facility, you're, I mean, you're having to, uh, he's the one doing the, the talk, I think, to find the right fit. It's for both, but for him, a, a fresh start can mean a, a great things for him to get out of Oakland slash Vegas. Yeah, now um, Vegas, you know, what's, uh, with all that cap room and with yeah. all the questions around them and... You know, they didn't have enough money to fire Josh McDaniels last year and get out of that contract, but he's the guy leading the way. That, that's, a, that's an interesting spot moving forward with can they land, you know, one of these guys that's, that's out there. Rodgers would be the big one. Garoppolo's going to be a free agent. Yep. Uh, if not, you know, are they taking a chance on, on a rookie? That, that's a big question mark also. So after nine years, he's going to be somewhere else. Could be Tampa as well. Uh, I'm talking about Carr. It'll be uh, intriguing to see where the first visits go. And keep in mind, he's already met with the Saints. He did that last week throughout the uh, the Super Bowl week. Chad, um, with it being Valentine's Day, last night apparently a couple was married at the Dallas Mavericks game. Um, here's how they did it at halftime. Reed and Ellen will now exchange rings as a symbol of love and commitment to each other. It is the seal of the vows you have just taken to love each other without end. Now, please place the rings on each other's hands and repeat after me. Listen to this crowd. As a sign of my love. Seems so intimate. As a sign of my love. That I have chosen you. That I have chosen you. (laughs) Say it together, please. Above all else. With this ring. With this ring. I thee wed. I thee wed. 
by the power vested in me and with 20,000 MFFLs as witnesses, it's my delight to declare you husband and wife. Reed, you may kiss the bride. Reed and Ellen Malone! <laughs> Congratulations to the Malones, but... Uh, the yeah, announcement I, at the end's the best. You cannot... Uh, there's no way I could be convinced to do I've this. Got a, I've got a couple questions about, uh, about this. One, uh, the couple looked like a- actors. Uh, they did not look like a real couple to me. Two... The guy looked like that... Two, is that that's the, clearly the PA guy. That's yeah. marrying them. Like I, I know you can like go through an online course to be a wedding officiant and to be able to do that legally, but you he's can, not like a justice of the peace or a pastor. You can do it in the pastor. airport in Vegas. You can actually yeah, like get your license. You can get your marriage license. I at just the think it's funny that if he didn't have that already, that someone you know was like, "Hey, go online so we can say that I, you can legally wed them as a public address announcer." Of the Dallas Mavericks, we're going to do this the night before Valentine's Day. So I've got a buddy Alex who once no. did this. He he wanted to see how easy it was to you know get your marriage license. So he came up with like this own. He, he filled out this form. It was like this fake religion or whatever. And they sent. He was like pastor or whatever. And he's like he's got his he's got the ability to do it. Um, he's never used it. He just thinks it's funny. Well, one of my best friends married another one of my best friends. Was the uh, officiant Clay, Clay can do this at the and wedding. has done this. Yeah, I always thought that was something to do with his legal background, but maybe not. I it just it it strikes me as not real when I when I hear that. Now the announcement at the end was great from the PA guy when he went full PA guy voice on it. We proudly welcome you, Edwin <laughs> and Sherry Malone. That was my favorite part of the whole thing. I think there are diehard sports fans that would agree with. Me I don't. This. They There's, don't look like diehard Dallas Mavericks well, fans to no, me. No, I don't no, think this was real. Diehard sports fans that would never do this. That would get married at the game. Let me. Let me. Uh, I'm just going to generalize here. That couple was too good looking to get married really? at center court of a Dallas Mavericks game together. I'm expecting less in the looks department from the couple that would actually agree well, to get married at halftime of not a playoff game. Just a random run-of-the-mill regular uh, but, season but let's not, Dallas let's also, Mavericks game. Uh, a prof- also the team selecting the couple cheap. to get married is not going to choose an ugly couple to represent them on social media. Also, Again, that's why they picked actors to do it. I don't think it's I, a real couple. I, I would love for Mark I Cuban think, to join the show and to I dispel someone, this rumor that I'm throwing out there that this was fake. I mean, I think they... Or they're I just really they cheap it. and they wanted the free you know, wedding and they probably got a honeymoon or something out of it also. And, and agreed to do it then. Mass fans are getting popcorn, coming back to you know check out the team. Yeah, it's just I I didn't expect that to be the couple that got married. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say in terms of what that couple yeah, you would look like or be like uh, a five or below. Yeah, and like you know two people that probably met in the same I'm also, section. I'm also in the five hundred level. I'm kind of, of surprised you game. find that couple attractive. I am. That yeah, guy. Thought, that guy looks like the dude that clogs on social media. Uh, he's a lot. He's a. He's much more fit uh, that, than that guy. It looks uh, like a guy like you drop twenty. Like that. That guy's attractive. She's attractive. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. He's like. He looks like a lot of guys to me. Like everybody now has a beard, and everybody yeah. now has longer hair. So he looks like a lot of dudes that women consider attractive now. I don't the think clogger apparently. I don't think that guy's attractive, but I could see where women think he's attractive, right? 
You know what he reminds me of? <laughs> one of the Hollister twins that we had. <laughs> like that, that could be one of the Hollister twins, just with a perm. That dude looked like he had a perm is the one difference. His hair was very curly, and it did not look like it was naturally that curly. Yeah, but the Hollisters are into like pretty. country. That guy looks like he's into bluegrass. The bride was pretty. Yeah, she's pretty. And that, so. Congratulations to the Malones. The fake Malones. Congratulations to the actors who portrayed there the Malones is. well. Yeah, here's the clogger. Look at our guy. It did look a little bit like him, but yeah, the clogger doesn't it. have as full of a beard, and he's a little bit, you know, he's not quite as fit as that guy. <laughs> now, look, the clogger, when he gets his wedding weight on and he's getting married, I'm sure would probably look just like that guy. The clogger also seems shorter to me than the guy that was getting married. That's a first glance. I was like, oh, they got a lot of questions about that. I still have a lot of questions, Hodden. And how did the Mavs do? Do we know? No clue. I can't tell you that the Lakers lost. lost my bet from earlier. Oh, you lost as well? Lost by 12. They were down 19. I bet them to win outright. They lost by 12. I did have to go check that. Derek Carr is on the move. Mike Bray is not, surprisingly so. And the ACC admits fault. But coaches are still upset. Details on that. Plus, John McClain will join us. Cynthia Freeland and much more. Shane Beamer on the show today. Uh, he'll be with us in hour number three. A lot more coming. We're just getting started. One hour in. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. <laughs>